steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! To the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we are taking a look at the Minnesota Vikings matchup with the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Um, we alluded to it on the last episode here that, you know, this is a big one. Uh, and it's an opportunity here, of course, to get back to the 500 mark. Uh, but this is a really good football team coming to Minnesota this weekend at U.S. Bank Stadium. So uh, we will go through uh, kind of the highlights here, the main uh, the main players of focus, uh ideas as to maybe how the Vikings might be able to handle some of these guys. Um, and then we'll do our picks for the week like we typically do. So uh, we do have something fun to kind of introduce for the picks for the week at the end here. Uh, it'll be new. Um, so something hopefully will make that a little bit more exciting as well. So that's the goal here for today. Um, let's jump right into it here. All right. So we always start with the quarterback position. And I think that Cleveland is as good of a place as ever to start with the quarterback position, given the polarizing nature of Baker Mayfield, whether that's his personality being polarizing to some people, whether that's his, you know, where he ranks within the, you know, the state of quarterbacks in the NFL being polarizing. Uh, this guy literally is just a, um, he, uh, he draws attention to himself, both positively, negatively, and everyone's got an opinion on him. Um, most importantly, though, I think to say is that he's a pretty good quarterback uh, and he's able to operate this offense. And he really is the first true hope that Cleveland has had um, in a very long time. And of course, he's the first quarterback in, a, you know, again, a very long time uh, to get this team to the playoffs. And then the next year, I'm um, actually be in position to contend for him again. And it seems like that's what the case is with Cleveland this year. And it starts, like I said, at the helm with the former number one overall pick Mayfield. Right. Uh, Mayfield, I, I, I like his uh, swag. Um, he's got the, you know, he's, he's got that leadership quality to him. I know he was, um, it, the, I don't know if the are like the arm talent, the pure um, athleticism. I don't know if that's quite there with him. He's obviously a little shorter as well. So he's not going to make those crazy out of pocket plays like, like Mahomes or, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson or, uh, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, those guys. Um, but he can be a really good pocket passer and he can throw some darts in there. And when you got a weapon like OBJ on the outside, yeah, you, know, you can, that can, uh, you know, only improve that. So I don't think Baker is going to be the guy that's going to carry a team by his self to, uh, contending, you know, Super Bowl, but he has Cleveland's built a really, really good roster around him, and the way that Kevin Stefanski operates things, obviously, a lot of emphasis on running the ball with those two running backs. So, uh, I don't want to see it taking the the ball out of Baker's hands, but I think they're they're trusting him with less compared to many other starting quarterbacks in the league, and I think that's good for him right now. Uh, to kind of he's got he's got a ton of confidence right now, uh, young in his career as he um, you know tries to a get that kind of big time contract extension, but then also um, trying to lead Cleveland into the promised land here with that that awesome roster. I think he's trying to be that guy that can do that for him. So I, I think he's he's, not, he's certainly on the right track in his career. Um, certainly worth that number one pick. Uh, I just think there's a little bit of limitations that he had like with him compared to some of the recent quarterbacks the Vikings have faced. Sure. And, and definitely relatively speaking, I mean, relative to Kyler Murray, relative to Russell Wilson, I mean, this is a completely different type of quarterback. It's not that he's immobile. It's just that he's not electric with the football, um, especially, you know, movement wise. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to note too, like we said that, you know, I don't necessarily think that his talent is off the charts either. I think he's a very, very good player. And obviously he's a professional but relative to some of these athletes that you see come through the NFL, I mean, Baker Mayfield just, he looks more like a guy to me. And in terms of some of the guys that are throwing these 90, you know, I don't know, 83, 85 yard passes, he's not that guy either, but he's somewhere in between. And he does a lot of things. Well, like across the board, he has skills, right? Um, it starts with the leadership, you know, to me, he's kind of like a Kirk Cousins with a personality, 
right? Like he's an efficient passer. And I don't like the term because it's got a negative connotation for one reason or another, but he's just a really efficient game manager. He gets the balls in the hands of his playmakers. You know, this is a primarily a rushing team that uses both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, They disperse the football and facilitate the offense around a lot of different guys, especially when Jarvis Landry is in there as well. Um, It's not just about Baker Mayfield here. Like this team can operate – with a lot of different guys working in different ways. They run reverses, they run short routes, they run deep routes, they run intermediate routes. He can make all of those throws, by the way, which says something in and of itself is, you know, his status as a pocket passer. Um, So this is a talented team, but I think you're right. You know, the real question that the Browns have to answer, and this really is beside the point, so I won't try to get off on too much of a tangent, is just that does Baker Mayfield have another level or is this it? Like, does he have what he is now is a division champion level quarterback, which is fine. Some teams are cool with that. Um, but if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, he's going to have to kick it up to another tier. And I'm, you know, basically, you know, we're, we're going to find this out probably in the next, you know, three, four to 10 weeks ish. Um, it does he have that next level? Can he take the next step where when you have to yeah. drop back 40 times, can you still win the football and game? I, and I think this is a game that, you know, if he's going to make that that jump, this is a game he wins at um, on the road against a team that, in theory, they should beat much better roster than the Vikings mm-hmm. have um, in a hostile environment. Uh, this is a game that you should be able to win with that roster, and Baker should not be making the mistakes that cost him the game. Um, if anything, he should be making the throws down the stretch that win them this game. And so that'll be a good, this is actually kind of a good test for Baker, uh, see where he's progressed in his career. Cause you know, the Browns have no trouble beating those teams that are, you know, lesser than them. Um, that's not the issue. And they, they do that off through Jacksonville. They do that because they're, they have a ton of awesome athletes on both lines, offensive and defensive. Um, and they're able to just, you know, destroy people in the trenches. And then from there, Nick Chubb, cream hunt are running all over the people. So they, they're, they're able to do that, but, you know, if the, if the Vikings are able to create some resistance against that threat, you know, have some sort of success in the trenches on either side, which they've been pretty solid the last couple of games in the trenches um, and then kind of force Baker to, you know, make those clutch plays himself. Um, the ones that Kyler Murray made a couple of times in that Arizona game, yeah. um, you know, if the Vikings are able to force that, I think that's where we're going to see how much has Baker Mayfield grown up in the NFL. And that's where I want the Vikings to put the Browns and put Baker. I want him to be in that scenario. Cause I think that's the best chance for the Vikings to win. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I think the Browns there again, they made the right choice in picking Baker. I think he's the right guy. Um, I think he's a great fit for that, 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 uh, locker room right now with all that talent around. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of the guy that's the young, energetic, spunky guy that can drive that offense forward. Um, but now that I guess the next step would be making the clutch place to win those kind of tight 50, 50 games. And I think this could be one of those. Yeah. Mayfield is definitely a very like the type of guy who can galvanize a locker room or split a locker room, right? Like depending on how you feel about his personality, I, me personally, I love a loud mouth kind of yeah. competitive. It is one of those where like, if things are going wrong at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. he, not, he not could good. say something or do something that, you know, one teammate finds, uh, you know, not t- doesn't take the right way, and suddenly things go south. But things are going well, and they're you're winning like the Browns are. Uh, that's that's a guy that you want to play for, I think. And I think you make a pretty good comparison there with with Kirk, where it's like they're not neither one of them is super athletic. I think Kirk is actually sneaky fast as a runner, yeah. but um, they're both pretty good pocket passers. They can get catch fire if you give them a good pocket, um, and you know, th- it's just that Baker's got that extra fire to him personally right. that Kirk rarely shows compared to what Baker does. Absolutely. So what makes Mayfield, you know, better and gives him really this opportunity to take that next step this year and earn that, you know, that massive extension um, is that Stefanski and the rest of the Browns front office and everywhere across the board there have done everything and anything they can to surround this guy with the weapons and just the overall talent that he would need to succeed. Um, We've mentioned a handful of those names already, but just basically across the board, offensively speaking, there is an all pro caliber player basically in every unit with the exception of maybe tight end. And you can make an argument for Austin Hooper potentially being that type of guy as well. So just across the board, I'm going to read some of these names for you and you can just think in your head, okay, pro bowl or pro bowl or pro bowl. You Mm -hmm. got Nick, you got Nick Chubb, you got Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Jarvis Landry, Jedrick Willis Jr., Joel Batonio, uh, J.C. Treader, Jack Conklin, 
Wyatt Teller, who might be the weakest link out of all of them, and that's really not that big of a deal. And then lastly, Austin Hooper, like I said. That's basically your playmakers, your your key blockers, et cetera. You've also got some other, you know, nice players as well. I think Rashard Higgins is a great vertical threat. But my point being here, by saying all of these names in a row, is that he's got weapons, period. He's got enough talent around him to do a lot of different things offensively, like I was saying before. It doesn't just need to be pitch and catch. You know, there can be reverses. There can be Jarvis Landry throwing the ball downfield. Not this week because obviously he's hurt, but like they do stuff like that, right? Where like, it's not just necessarily going to be Baker Mayfield dropping back three and five yards and pitching it out to OBJ. Like it's just not necessarily going to be that every week. I mean, we remember Stefanski in 2019, 2018. He's good working with a lot of creative playmakers. Moves the pocket around a ton, a lot of play action stuff, um, gets creative there. Uh, uses the running backs a lot. Uh, that's that's for sure. But he does it in a way that is still um, is still is really good at creating space for those running backs. A lot of screen plays, um, a lot of the outside zone outside zone stuff that we still see with the Vikings today um, with Dalvin and then Madison last week. So a lot of that stuff is going to be familiar in and in how uh, the the Browns do move the ball. But I am you know. I think the Vikings defensive line needs to have their best game of the season. Um, this offensive line is very good, uh, both against the run and against the pass, um, or I guess passing the ball and running the ball. So um, creating disruption there, whether it's, I, think, I mean, I have no worries with Daniel Hunter, but I think these other guys, you know, Griffin had a pretty good game against Seattle. He was creating some chaos. He needs to do that again. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce were both disrupting quite a bit as well. Part of the reason Russell Wilson, we talked about, wasn't really stepping up, but rather mm-hmm. stepping back and right around there. is because they were there and clogging that hole. So more of that this week uh, to another level, I think, will be required to keep the Browns offense uh, in check in a way that the Viking, the Vikings offense then can kind of uh, surpass that that total because I know you know, the Browns defense is probably the best one the Vikings have faced this year. So that'll be a tough test for Minnesota's offense. Before we switch over here to the defensive side of the football, a um, couple questions. First and foremost, is this the best offensive line the Vikings will face this year? Probably. It's close. It's probably um, close. I would say yeah. so. When, when you look at Willis. 100% the Batonio, best one so far. Definitely that, yeah. So if you look at Batonio and Willis Jr. Um, next to each other on the left side, I think definitively that might be the best left side uh, of an offensive line that you're going to see for sure. Conklin on the right side, of course, is a former – uh, I believe he's an all-pro, or excuse me, not an all-pro, a pro bowler, but very, very good in Tennessee. He was a huge free agent signing, of course. Um, Mauler as a run blocker, especially. Um, that's kind of the one thing that I would point to here is that this is kind of a tone setter game for the Vikings defensive line, like Drew was saying. Like, not only do they need to play well, it's also an opportunity to say, okay, like this defensive line is one of the best in the business. And really, they've operated as such for the last three weeks in terms of getting pressures and getting sacks. I think it was 19 pressures or something ridiculous on Russell Wilson last week. So if you have a, you know, you have an opening here to do that against a very, very, very good offensive line and establish yourselves as, you know, some variation of one of these new age, um, great defensive lines that the Vikings have had forever. So this is an opportunity for them as well. Um, The other piece that I wanted to ask you about just in terms of like game breakers, right? You've got a couple of them. I think Nick Chubb isn't necessarily a game breaker. He's more kind of an efficient, like chug you along, wear you out guy, but you've got Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham. Beckham, of course, coming off the ACL injury, he's played basically one game and I, I wouldn't really consider last week to be, you know, a full showing of what his, you know, capacity mm-hmm. is as a player. Who are you more worried about in space? If the Vikings had to try to tackle Kareem Hunt on a screen, Odell Beckham on a screen or a quick slant, who concerns you? Oh, more? it's Odell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even so, it's actually funny. The one time he's played in U.S. Bank Stadium was when Xavier Rhodes right. shut him down completely. Uh, 23 but, yards, I think, is what I tried yeah, that week. Yeah. It was like, if I remember right, it was three receptions on like 11 or 12 targets mm-hmm. for like 23 yeah. yards. And then there was a pick in there. And of course, all the antics and the mm-hmm. frustration. Uh, that was a heck of a time. That was fun. But with that said, still scared of OBJ more. Um, and I think it's because, I mean, the Vikings cornerbacks now are certainly not what Xavier Rhodes brought to the table. Uh, back in That's 2016 there. Um, I, I think he'll be, it's not about him with the ball in space as much as it is, you know, DK Metcalf had no issue getting open for what the first half of last week. Then the Vikings adjusted some coverage and um, were able to get lucky. Not, not, I want to say get lucky. We're able to get more pressure on Russ 
and then forcing some some other issues. And I think that's what the Vikings ought to do. Kind of that similar what they did in terms of approach second half of the Seattle game. Um, you know, maybe shadowing um, to that side of the safety uh, to OBJ's side, but he's certainly the biggest threat they have. Uh, with that said, though, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a pretty solid number two right now, even with Jarvis out. Uh, and you mentioned Higgins, too. I do like those guys. I don't think they're studs, but I think they're they're better than, I guess, what Seattle offered outside of Lockett and Metcalf. Like, right. It's a better supporting cast of options than Hooper as well. So that that those guys aren't you know scrubs by any means. I think OBJ is still for sure the guy to focus on, though, um, especially against the Vikings corners that, again, are certainly not what the Vikings offered three, four years ago. The Vikings, of course, have not had the most efficient or effective run defense. This is a true test being, you know, one of the best rushing football teams in the game. Um, I do think the Vikings allocate resources well here, like in terms of like what they're composed of. Right. Like generally speaking, it's Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. It's not normally both once in a while. Yeah, you will see them both flanked um, for Baker Mayfield. Uh, But for the most part, it's just one of those guys. So you have to worry about one of them per play. And then you also have to worry about basically Odell Beckham. And I mean, I think people's Jones and Higgins are nice players, but they're not going to beat you like they're not going to like. I don't think either of us is concerned about either of those guys being the reason the Vikings lose here. So like, if you can shade Beckham enough, to mm-hmm. you know like he's still coming back from injury like this is not a plus odell beckham if you can shade him a little and then contain whichever running back is in you know keep them under 150 or something like that they're gonna have trouble getting a ton of consistent yardage if it's just the running back and then odell beckham so like if you can find a way to manipulate them and slow those two guys down I don't, I'm scared of the breakaway Kareem Hunt play. Obviously he had the nice run last week, but he's just, he's consistently been dangerous in space, whether he's with Kansas city or Cleveland when Cleveland was bad too. I mean, he's always been kind of a world beater with the ball in his hands. So I would keep an eye out for him. Hopefully the Vikings can keep that long rush from happening here. That's a, that's a, that's exactly playing into Cleveland's hands. If they can get that 50, yeah. 60 yard rush or even a 30 yard rush like Chris Carson last week, uh, that's the type of scoring that Kevin Stefanski likes to do so he can operate his offense to the fullest. So keep an eye on those things. Uh, shifting to the defense here, uh, or the Browns defense, I should say, and the Vikings offense. What Kirk Cousins goes up against this week. It's another Chandler Jones situation, right? Where a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how Chandler Jones had five sacks. Well, last week, Miles Garrett had four and a half. And I'm sure you've all seen, you know, the type of damage he was doing, the skill set that he was using, whether it was quite literally like, I don't know, it was like Matrix, like where he shifted from one gap to the next. And yeah, in lightning quick rocking. fashion. And yeah, then just it was like he, it was like he like, disappeared, like teleported, basically. It was crazy. So anyways, that's what you're up against this week. And he's next to a couple of very good players. Of course, Jadavian Clowney, maybe the most talented NFL prospect in all of history. Uh, he's having one of his better starts to a season in recent years opposite Garrett. So you can't really like it, – it's a pick-your-poison situation. Like Brian O'Neill is going to get one of them, but Christian Derrissaw, who practiced in full, by the way, or a hobbled um, hill is going to have to take the other. So – one of those guys is going to be a problem. I don't know who it's going to be just yet. I suspect probably Garrett just because of who he is and who he has been. But the guys in the middle, too, be- uh, between them, Malik McDowell and Malik Jackson, also not slouches. They can get pressure from the interior. This is a mm-hmm. stacked defensive line and just goes back to what you were saying before. Cleveland is built to win in the trenches, front and back, offense and defense. Um, and this side of the ball is as dangerous of a 4-3 four, you know, front as you're going to see across the NFL. Yeah, they've got, you know, again, I, I they built this team to win in the trenches, and that's how they are kind of supporting Baker. They drafted Baker, and since then, you know, obviously they had they drafted Miles Garrett, and then they've just plucked these kind of really solid players from around the league and and plugging them in on the offensive line. And they drafted Jedrick Wills. And now, you know, and then I'm looking at their secondary too, Denzel Ward. Of course, they're not going to have uh, Greg Newsom, so that's kind of unfortunate. Um, but they've got these players in the secondary too, Ronnie Harrison, John Johnson. Uh, so that they're there. That's a pretty darn good defense. And again, certainly the, the, the most, uh, you know, difficult task I think they've played this year, certainly going to be a much tougher task in Seattle, which I believe Seattle is the, the, the worst ranked defense right now in the NFL in terms of like yards allowed. Uh, so this is a next step up. And again, we're going to see how 
you know, this is kind of the, uh, another big test for this offense and Kirk in particular, like Kirk's playing at this MVP level that people are saying, if you want Vikings Twitter right now, a lot of MVP level play to, uh, discussion when you talk about Kirk cousins, but one thing to do that against Seattle um, and Arizona, another thing to do it, you know, Cleveland comes to town, one of the most talented defenses in the NFL, a game that could get you back to 500, get you right back into that so-called playoff discussion, even though it's only week four, but get you right back in and kind of get the season back on track from when you began. That's the big test this week. And then, then you can kind of more seriously start to think, Hey, Kirk, if this could keep up this whole MVP thing, man, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility if he can throw up another performance like that. Absolutely. Right. Um, and this is interesting too, by the way, I don't think that people talk about this enough. Um, we always talk about it being a Kevin Stefanski game, a Mike Prefer game, but by the way, Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, former Vikings coach as well. And he might be the most bitter out of all of them because he left in 2013. So if you want to do your math real quick, that was right when Mike Zimmer arrived, he was not retained as a defensive coach. So something interesting to keep in mind here that this is literally a staff composed of former Vikings coaching coaches um, and all of them are pretty damn good at what they do by the way um, I think that Woods puts all of his playmakers in a good position to succeed you know you look at what Miles Garrett specifically I mean I can't really get off of him because everything starts with the pressure that he is able to get put on the quarterback basically because if you're a lot if you're going to get Miles Garrett pressure early in the first quarter all of a sudden you have to shift over your protection to focus on Miles Garrett that's going to put Genevieve and Clowney on an island. So all of a sudden now you're going to get a ton of pressure. You're overwhelming the offense early mm -hmm. and you're trying to throw the ball because you're probably playing from behind as well. In addition to that, now you've got a great, great, great playmaker in Denzel Ward, who is just dangerous around the football with the football. Um, if you throw near his coverage, I mean, he's as threatening as a def defensive back as you're going to find in this league. You mentioned Newsom being out, but then you do bring in Greedy Williams, who very solid prospect out of LSU. Both him and Grant Delpit are in the secondary and just haven't really made a name for themselves in the NFL yet. But I think there's plenty of talent there as well. Uh, so this starts up top with the pressure and ends with the coverage, of course. Uh, but ironically enough, Cleveland has only one interception, and that came from Malcolm Smith, a linebacker. So. I asked the question, are they due? Because this is how they play, right? Like if you're going to get pressure, interceptions are going to happen in theory. Kirk Cousins doesn't throw a lot of them, but are they due? They've got the playmakers to turn the football over. And really that to me is the difference in this game. If the Vikings turn the football over, it's, it's going to be over because the way that the Browns operate is really the same way as the Vikings that once you get ahead, you run them to death, you wear them out. And then once the Vikings are worn out, like good luck. That, that's kind mm -hmm. of the situation that you'd be in throwing Kirk Cousins, you know, 30 times in the second half. You're not winning this football game. And if you turn it over early, that's probably the situation you're going to find yourself in. Honestly, this is like Mike Zimmer's like dream game, just like a for entertainment. Like he will he's going to try. I like guess it's, it's going to be a battle between Stefanski and Zimmer for who can like use more clock. Like it's just going to be, uh, <laughs> right. you know, get the first down, get like get your 11 yards in three plays run that clock down to one, try it again. Like it's, that's what both these coaches try to do. And Stefanski, you could tell kind of got some of that from Zimber during his time in Minnesota, that ground and pound uh, philosophy that is a bit old school. And I mean, Stefanski does that in a way where it's like more modernized than the Vikings are doing it, but it's still the, the, the plan is to just win the game. It's not about putting up points as right. much as you can. It's just winning the game. I think that's what the philosophy is for both coaches. So this could turn into a slug fest. Uh, a little bit from that sense. And, and this, especially if that does give me the Browns in this game, that's where I think Kirk kind of has to separate himself uh, from Baker uh, in this game. Like you can't, he's going to have to very much outplay Baker. I think yeah. that's where that MVP discussion, you know, I'm putting in air quotes, by the way, every time I mention that uh, for the listeners only um, that needs to be, you know, upon full display for for this game uh kirk needs to outplay baker like he should and the vikings will have a chance here step up big when it matters get this team back on track against a really good opponent um a game that i certainly don't expect them to win um i don't think many expect them to win but um like this would speak volumes as to okay maybe this start was a little fluky maybe um the whole 
uh, angle of, well, they're two plays from being three and oh, maybe that has some legitimacy versus um, the other argument that you're seeing, which, you know, they're not beating these teams that they should early on in the season, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this isn't, this, this is as big of a game as, you know, really the Vikings are going to have this season given the circumstances, right? I mean, this is an opportunity to get back to the 500 mark, as we've said before. I mean, but, it's not just the 500 mark. Like that's also a springboard to bigger and better things too. Right. Like once you kind of get that monkey off your back, like Drew was saying, like maybe this was a fluke. Uh, maybe you did start Owen two because of a bad bounce as a lot of coaches love to say. Right. Um, and this, you know, this is a direction changing game. Now, it comes down to, well, are the Vikings going to win this football game, right? We've gone through here. Like, there's playmakers all side, you know, all over the football field on both sides of the ball. I don't really think there's a distinct weakness on this Cleveland team. It's just, can you be better? And I think that's really what it comes down to is, can you be better? Like, is Baker Mayfield going to be the better quarterback here? He shouldn't be, like Drew was saying. Can you be better, Kirk? And if you are, you're going to put your, you're going to put the Vikings in a position to succeed because they do have Dalvin Cook. We can play the same game, right? Like we can run the football and play dink and dunk and run out clock. It's a race to that 30 minute mark. Whoever can get 30 minutes of possession, I think that that's, you know, that's going to be this team, the opportunity, the team, the team that wins this game will probably be right floating around that 30 minute mark and have that slight, slight advantage over the other guy. Um, with all that said, who are you taking here? I think both of us are kind of leaning Cleveland it sounds like um so is there a chance and how good there's a chance chance oh yeah I mean if the Vikings you know are efficient as they were offensively last week or at least bring that type of uh ability and you know maybe you uh adjust it a little bit for what Cleveland has to offer defensively but if they do that again then they can certainly win this game and they probably will um I'm just banking on the Cleveland Browns offensive and defensive lines being too much for the Vikings to handle. Uh, I just think the Vikings for as good as they've been the last couple of weeks, are just still outmatched against this team. So uh, because of that, I'm going to Cleveland Browns uh, winning this game. Uh, it's going to be a fun one though. I think, I think there'll be, it'll be a close game down the stretch. Be one of those where, you know, Browns have to get a couple of first downs at the end of the game. Um, and they do it with, you know, their really good ground game there. I think this is like a like a 20 to 13 type of football game. Um, I would take the under. I don't know what the under line is, but I would take the under in this one. I thought I saw like 48 or something like that, which is pretty high. So, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be that type of football game, like a true blue collar matchup uh, win in the trenches type of game. Like we've been talking about this entire show. Um, I think the Vikings have an opportunity to win um, on both sides of the ball. I think it's a small opportunity. And for that reason, I'm taking Cleveland as well. Um, but I do like, I'm going to go into this game optimistically as a fan after what I've seen the past two weeks, um, especially relative to Kirk cousins. And, you know, you, we talk a lot about like, all right, if this is game's a toss up, we pick the better quarterback. Well, um, this game isn't quite a toss up, um, but if it were, I mean, the better quarterback here in in theory is Kirk Cousins, um, at least as of late. He has definitely been the better quarterback the first three weeks of the season. Um, and if he can do that again, the Vikings are going to be right in it. Um, it's just a matter of who can get to three touchdowns, I think. If you can get to three touchdowns, I think that's how you win this football game. Uh, but I think ultimately the Vikings are going to come up a short. And I think some of that decision-making stuff that we were mad about mm-hmm. um, last week might come into play here again, where the Vikings end up kicking a field goal when they really should be going for you know a touchdown. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take Cleveland here in the analytics. Uh, they do love the analytics in Cleveland as well so uh, that kicks off our picks for the week here so uh, let's jump right back into the rest of the NFL across the league Uh, like I said at the top of the show we're going to be introducing something a little bit different here just to add another element to our picks Um, in addition to making you know uh, every single pick of the week like we typically do we're going to designate designate one selection at the end of each month during the NFL season to be a quote money line selection and what this means is that you need to select a true underdog meaning a team that is in a matchup where they are a plus whatever like a plus 100 up to plus three you know 375 400 if you want to a true underdog you're not picking the spread you're picking a money line loser basically Mm -hmm. and this is a five point swing this is what makes this fun right so in theory every one of these picks is going to be quote a loser but if you get it right you get a plus four bonus as opposed to the one point that you would typically get on the flip side of that if you miss this one, it's a five-point swing that way as well. It's a minus four in addition to that typical one loss that you would have um, on your resume. So 
This is going to be the first week that we'll do this. We'll do this again at the end of October, again at the end of November, again at the end of December, and then probably have some sort of like fluke, funny joke thing for whatever January is because we have an extra week of the football season this year. So that's right. I forgot about that, actually. (laughs) So that is the game plan here. That's kind of the little element that we're adding Um, relative to where we stand right now. um, We both had good weeks, 13 and three for me, 11 and five for Drew. I stand at 30 and 18 cumulatively. Drew is at 20 and 20. So we have definitely made up the difference since that week one performance in which both of us went seven and nine and we'll look to add to it here with a little bit of a a bonus system going on so um, whenever you know your money line matchup comes up Drew, just announce that we'll mark it in the book and we'll kind of go from there so all right all right first one on the docket here the thursday night football game Jacksonville heads to Cincinnati in a true barn burner. Um, Cincinnati, like I've been saying for a couple of weeks, looks a little bit better than I think anticipated. Uh, Jacksonville does not. With exception to that 109-yard return touchdown, this team <laughs> still looks atrocious. Um, that might be the best highlight they have all year. I, in fact, I'm pretty confident it will be, unless Trevor um, decides to turn it on a little bit here and become you know, yeah, a little bit yeah, more no, consistent. It, since he's the pick. Um and I mean, they do, I will say they do look better, which does kind of make the Vikings week one situation look a little bit better, but uh, yep. I mean, they had a nice tough win against a really good Steeler defense last week. They put up, I think three touchdowns. Jamar Chase looks like the real deal. Absolutely. Yeah. He did. Uh, a lot of people have been making jokes about it, but Jamar Chase did a really good job pretending to be a bad receiver during the preseason yeah. and they're just turning into an all pro caliber player. Four touchdowns three. in three games. Yeah. Not bad. Right. All right. So uh, I'm going Cincinnati as well. I think it's the clear pick. I don't really feel like I need to defend that. So um, next one here, Washington at, at Atlanta, um, Cincinnati kind of trying to be the Washington of this year. Of course, Washington kind of came out of nowhere to be a competitive football team. Unfortunately, they have not really been that uh, through three weeks, at least defense. Uh, Taylor Heineke is still a nice player. You know, I love him and would go to, you know, basically die for that guy at this point. Um, but the defense, man, Chase Young and co. It's not bad. getting a ton of pressure. I don't get it. It's not, it has it. not been good. And they're playing against Atlanta this week, who is coming off of a win, not a convincing win. It was over the Giants, of course. Um, but they Both have these teams power. have one win this year, and it's against the Giants. So good for them. <laughs> uh, I'm going with the Falcons. Um, not really, no, I don't really have a reason why. I just, until I see the Washington defense step up a little bit, I, I'm going to pick against them. So I'm going to take Washington because I think this is a get right game. Uh, and it's not just a get right game in the sense that like it lines up well for Washington in terms of what they do well and what they can do well. Uh, it's also the type of thing where it's like you need to get right right now or you're not going to have a chance at the end of the season because Dallas is turning up mm-hmm. the heat. So uh, big opportunity for Washington. They need this win. I'm going to pick them. Uh, the next one here, I don't think we need to discuss it. Houston at Buffalo. I'm assuming that both of us are going Josh Allen and co after last week. No, that's my money line. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> give me, give me, uh, give me Buffalo on that one. All right, both of us going Buffalo. That moves us to my money line pick here. Uh, first one career here: Detroit Ooh. at Chicago. I now, thought about were, this one too. There were I two about picks this, this week, right? I think uh, both of us obviously did some research into you know who, which underdog we were going to take. Um, I think there was two that really stood out. This is the one that I thought would be more fun, particularly for this show, because it gives me an opportunity to rag on Chicago a little bit. Yes, Detroit. Is is the underdog. It's not a significant underdog. I believe it was like a three point in terms of the spread. I believe it was a plus 125 in terms of the money line. So uh, not a ton of money, right? $100 to get 125 in return. Uh, but the reason why that spread is happening right now is that I think it's literally the hometown discount, right? If this is being played at Ford Field, I think Detroit is the favorite. So I know Soldier Field is hard to play at, especially as a Vikings fan. Uh, but Detroit it doesn't have the Vikings history there. Jared Goff has been better than people give him credit for in terms of being able to throw to all levels of the field. The lines have been kind of sneaky. Games. I mean, outside They're of that hungry. second half against the They're Packers, hungry. they've been they've been sneaky competitive in every game. And Chicago definitely has not, right? I tr- I do not trust Matt Nagy. And while I think da- Dan Campbell is a bit of a dumbo, he has this team. Very hungry, and they're pumped. And DeAndre Swift looks great. So give me Detroit on the money line here over Chicago. I uh, I actually I like that pick. I'm gonna go Bears just because of the defense. Um, and that's fair. And that's it's just like a, it's just a I, I just imagine Jared Goff playing against that defense, and it just like I don't know. I feel like the first team to like 13 points will win this game. <laughs> but um, I, I will say. If, if, if the Bears lose this game, Matt Nagy's leash has to be getting pretty short. Uh, Big thing, too, is that have much left. 
we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. He said it could be one of three guys, not just Fields <laughs> or Dalton. There was, I can't remember who the third string was either, but um, anyways, I think they're a disaster. I think the Bears are going up in flames. So give me Detroit uh, for my money line pick. All right. Next one here. We got Carolina at Dallas. Uh, this one on paper, I don't think a couple weeks ago we thought would be a fun matchup, but now it's a matchup between a 3-0 and team. And I believe Dallas is 2-1 and now and could mm-hmm. easily be a 3-0 and team as well. Um, does Carolina I did, get humbled or does Dallas? I did think team? about this one. I thought about this one for the money line pick. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dallas was too down at Monday night against right. Philly. Um, I and I can't, I can't, you know, uh, back off of them right now. So I'm going to go Dallas. As much as I hate picking Mike McCarthy's team, I'm going to do it here. Yeah, I think in good conscience right now, it'd be very difficult to pick against Dallas, given what we saw last week. Of course, Trey, Trayvon Diggs, uh, Stefan's younger brother, has a consecutive streak of interceptions in each week of this season. That stands at three right now. Um, I think Sam Darnold's a good target to get number four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Carolina's going to get humbled a bit. Like, they're a good team. I think they're a quality football team that's going to be in the wild card race at the end of this season. I don't think they're a dominant team. And I think Dallas has the potential to be a dominant football team with Dak at the helm, especially yeah. the way that he's been playing. And then you've got those weapons. Cooper's going to be more healthy this or healthier this week. CD lamb looks like a world breaker right now. I think Dallas rolls them. So we'll both go Dallas here. Um, next one is Indianapolis at Miami. Uh, two of these, both of these teams really just really struggling with injuries, particularly at the quarterback position. Uh, yeah. Carson Wentz, of course, has two sprained ankles. Miami does not have two. Talk about By the way, hilarious. I mean, with, with all due respect, we want guys to be healthy, but Carson Wentz having like you let on the injury report, it's like Carson Wentz ankles. Yeah. Both uh, plural. <laughs> I'm going Ridiculous. Miami. I'm going Miami here. Um, I think I like how they fought against the, the Raiders last week. Um, you know, a couple plays go their way and they have that upset. And um, I also think, you know, Jacoby Brissett revenge game here for uh, against the Colts. Uh, I think he's going to be ready to, to come out firing in this one. And I just don't think Wentz is any good. I don't uh, too, too healthy ankles or not. Like I just, I don't, I don't trust him right now. So remember like a couple of years when we thought that, you know, they were building this beautiful, beautiful roster in Indianapolis and really, it wasn't that it, long ago. It, was it like wasn't last that long year. ago. A lot of it hinged on the quarterback, right? Like Andrew yeah. Luck retiring, kind of like like put, Phillip Rivers was that stopgap. Like, yeah. like obviously they were going to find somebody. Nope, we're going to go draft or get Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a tough situation. Um, I'm going to take Miami as well uh, because first of all, Jacoby Brissett. A lot of props for how he personally played, uh, given the circumstances. Look, I think he's about as good of a backup in the NFL as you're going to find at the quarterback position. Like when we were doing that, uh, you know, that little discussion about backup quarterbacks and who would be great to have, like who would yeah. you sign to? Cody you know, Brissett is one. Contract, yeah. That's one of them. He looks really good, especially within that offense. I think Miami is the safer pick here. Um, so I'll go with them. Um, next one here is the New York Giants at the New Orleans Saints. I don't think we need to talk about no. this one. Based off no, of how the New Giants York are bad, played. Giants are bad. They're New Orleans had we, a bad week two weeks ago, but I don't think they're bad. As I will. Bad. I was their defense. I, is crazy. I, how many times? Uh, I shouldn't say that. Maybe they don't have that anymore in their schedule. But like, I, I I wish they would be playing like teams that are zero and whatever the rest of the year because like they could give teams our first win like the whole year. Yep. <laughs> like, I mean, they've done it two weeks in a row. Uh, obviously, it's early in the season, but. Um, I, I would trust anybody, but like the jets right now, I'd beat them. Yeah. Giants are not good. I'm picking new Orleans on, on that principle. Alone. All right. Uh, next one here is Tennessee at the jets. I don't think we need to talk about this one either. Nope. That New yeah. York, those New York teams are just terrible. Yeah. New York is going up in flames relative to football here. That's just not a good look for that. Good thing. <laughs> the bills are nearby. How crazy is that by the way, that mid, it will, I guess Buffalo technically is New York, but what you, when you think of New York, right? Like yeah. the capital, they're two worst teams in the NFL might comfortably <laughs> comfortably like at least with the Jags, like there's something to look forward to with Lawrence. Like you got deep quarterback prospect right. to, right. Um, you know, the giants have Daniel Jones, who is a fine yeah. backup. <laughs> I mean, he's not a starter long-term. He's not the franchise guy clearly. And, and I don't know about Zach Wilson either, man. Like out of the quest, there's real question marks with both those quarterbacks. The, Jet, the jets are bad. I'm going to give, Jets I'm going to give Wilson more zone. time, obviously, because like you really don't know who a quarterback is until probably like the beginning of their third year. Um, but Wilson does not look good. And that's, you know, that's an easy way for me to be yeah. like, all right, Vrabel. Like I will good. say, I will say we're seeing what Darnold became not in New York. 
there's only only three games in, but he's three and zero. And he's so, throwing for 300 yards, I believe. Important important context to consider here when we're, when we're thinking about Zach Wilson. But yeah. anyway, Titans are going to steamroll him. Derrick Henry, 250 yards, probably, because uh, they're going to be ahead the whole time. So. Yep, sounds about right to me. Um, next one here. This is really the third one in a row where I really don't think we have much of a discussion here. It's Kansas City at Philly. I mean, Jalen Hurts looked like trash. Other than that, I will say if, if, if Philly had shown up against Dallas, I mean, I maybe have t- would have taken him, but. Uh, I know the Chiefs have covered once in the last like 18 games. <laughs> Something like come crazy like that. Uh, but yeah, I'm going the Chiefs bounce back here. Yeah, Chiefs are one and two. <clears throat> really, that's I mean, like they didn't need a different like a difference maker because they're clearly the better football team. But yeah. one How about two. the Chiefs being solo last in that division right now? That's pretty ridiculous. That's uh, fun. None of us would have predicted none of us granted the Broncos that. have played the <laughs> the Broncos are three and oh, and they've played the Giants. The Jags and the Jets. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> I imagine schedule. that's probably where we're going to have that discussion in a few moments here when we get to your money line pick, I imagine. Um, all right. Kansas City for both of us. Uh, Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams are the next one on the docket here. We get back to a good football matchup, a matchup between two teams that are world beaters, right? I believe both of them are 3 and 0, right? Um, Arizona didn't mm-hmm. win that game against Jacksonville despite allowing yeah. that hilarious touchdown. Um, and the Rams, of course, coming off of that huge victory over Kansas City last week. Or, no, Tampa Bay, my bad. Um, yeah. I get those two powers confused. Um, Matthew Stafford looks amazing. Kyler yeah. Murray looks I mean, amazing. The Rams, the Rams are, are the two real MVP candidates right now, by the way. Like Kirk Cousins might be like a talking point, a bullet underneath them. But Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, you keep playing like this and winning like this. These are your, your primary MVP candidates. Yes. Um, and I think Stafford keeps going. I mean, it's, it's sort of the whole the whole discussion that's been surrounding Stafford for years is like if he goes to a contender, is he the MVP? And um, we've never really figured out how bad Detroit, you know, their front office, their environment is. The Rams are are dominating teams. They just they just kicked the Super Bowl defending champions in the butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they'll rule through Arizona here. Yeah, I'm going to take the Rams, too. Um, I think that Arizona is on the cusp, and I do think they're a wild card team. But I'm very confident that despite how congested that NFC West is, I'm still very confident the Rams are going to win it. Um, I, I think they're head and shoulders above every team in that division. And I do think Arizona is the second best one um, right now, at least, uh, relative to Seattle and San Francisco, who also play each other, by the way. And we'll be talking about that in about four seconds here. But um, I think the Rams are just they're, – they're above and beyond most teams. Um, and they're, they're really going to make that division tough to win for three teams that are all playoff caliber, I think. Mm-hmm. But the Rams are just – they're Super Bowl caliber. It's, it's, certainly it seems. So uh, we'll head that direction today. Uh, Seattle at San Francisco, like I just mentioned. Um, that's the next one on the docket. The other two NFC uh, West teams playing each other. Both of them need a win. Both of them uh, up and down a little bit. Uh, San Francisco really didn't have a chance last week against Green Bay. Seattle, I mean, I think the Vikings pretty, pretty definitively. Yeah, I'm going. Seattle. I'm going San Fran. Um, I think you know that roster is still. It's it's been really good. It was just depleted a lot last year. I'm kind but, of surprised you're going San Francisco. Um, I'm going San Fran. I am. Uh, I, I I don't like Jimmy G, but I like pretty much everything else about this team. Um, And so I guess I'm just counting on what I saw from Seattle last week. The fact that uh, the way they stalled, I think San San Fran can on defense repeat what Minnesota did pretty handily. So I'll go San Fran here. The thing that makes me nervous is that Kyle Shanahan is as creative as they come and Pete Carroll for a coach that is a defensive mind, like your defense is pretty consistently not that great. I don't mean yeah. like bottom. Barrel. He's only there. He's only there. Well, he's got the like the prestige of winning the Super Bowl, but right. that he's just that locker room culture, yeah, you know, type guy. Now he's not doing anything defensively anymore. It doesn't seem like no that and poor game management. That too. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Seattle uh, strictly because he's got they got the better quarterback. This is one of those situations that I'm and I'll never about. I will never fault anybody for doing that. Yeah, betting against Russell Wilson seems worse than betting against San Francisco. That's the situation I'm in this week. All right, next one here, Baltimore and Denver. I imagine this is probably your money line game. It's not because it's depending, not. depending on where you go, they're not plus money um, around the market. So I'm going to go, I'm picking Denver, but like some places they're plus money. Sometimes they're not, um, but it's a very, uh, basically it's almost a pick them in some spots. Um, but I think, I think Teddy's the perfect quarterback for this defense where they try and take advantage of mistakes. Mm-hmm. They try to make you, uh, you know, they, when you gamble, they take advantage of it type thing. And he's not that quarterback, um, plays it safe, t- 
takes what's there, uh, you know, completions, first downs. Um, he's not going to throw that, that risky double coverage ball, sometimes to a fault, but that's Teddy Bridgewater. And defensively, the, the Ravens offense was sputtering last week, largely because Marquise Brown can't catch a football. Troy Williams, and I, seriously, last week, like literally and, looked like Troy Williams. Right, right. And Denver's defense is a – very few or a, a very significant step up from Detroit last week. So I'll take the Broncos here. I'm going to take Baltimore uh, because of what we were talking about before. Denver hasn't played anyone, so I don't really know who they are. I think the defense is really good, and I'm with you. I think T- Teddy Bridgewater is an efficient player for this offense. Cortland Sutton looks really good. I like Noah Fant as well. Um, I think that they have the capacity to win this game, but who's the most dynamic player on this football field? And really who's the most dynamic player on most football fields? And that's Lamar Jackson. So if anyone's going to be able to get through kind of the, the, the closing door, that is the Denver defense, it's probably Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. because he's got the most wiggles. So I'll take Baltimore here. We'll split on that one. Um, Home stretch here. Final three games. Pittsburgh at green Bay is the next one here. We had the Lambeau field, the Steelers. Yeah, Steelers coming off of Steelers are bad. They're just bad. I don't know how they beat Buffalo week one, but they're just bad. I think that I was just going to say, though, the other thing about Pittsburgh, too, is that not only are they not very good right now, they also have lost TJ Watt. And now the the locker, they have that locker room thing because of what Tyler Boyd said last week about how they quit. And Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. basically said, like, I don't care about Tyler Boyd's opinion, which I love that quote for a coach. But like if he's responding kind of like negative like angrily about it like and not joke i know that mike mike tomlin doesn't really joke but this the tone of the response he's pissed right like he's not yeah. happy with the way that this team is playing right now or the way that they're acting and they wrap yeah. ass by the way like he i wonder so i wonder how well the steelers players but also like fans are they still like do they still believe in big ben there's just no way like, they talked about it a little bit on the Pat McAfee show because there is a couple of Steeler fans on that show today. It was pretty there, funny. There's no way they still believe ben. it. They say <laughs> it was like he's like the one of the dudes was like, "We'll never with Pittsburgh with, with the quarterback situation. We will never take it. Uh, we will never make force them to get rid of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But we're definitely going to start talking about the guys that we could have next year." <laughs> That was basically where they're at. So they're, that's the nicest way of being like, this guy sucks. Now. Yeah, yeah. He's done. <laughs> he's, he's, he's cheeks, man. Like, it's this is not a good quarterback. So. And it, he was bad last year. I don't know how they were 11 and 0, but they were a bad 11 and 0, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, well, they should they, have been like eight and whatever, three. But didn't they finish like 11 or what, 12 they, and four? They, or were something bad. Like they that? sputtered down the stretch, and then yeah. the Browns dismantled them in that playoff game so exactly so yeah we're both going green bay here that's uh that's pretty clear if i mean aaron Rodgers looks like he's heating up too and about to about ready to enter that mvp discussion once again yeah so, uh green bay for both of us uh tampa bay and new england second to last one on the docket here sunday mm-hmm. night football i'm sure you guys have heard tom brady returning to new england this will be a spectacle. This is a spectacle because it's literally like there's nothing for us to talk about here because I think we know who's going to win this football game. Yeah. But like there's still so much to discuss with regard. To, I'm going to let NBC handle that. Uh, they're already doing it. I mean, have you seen the promos and stuff? It's like unreal. It's, it's unreal. It's they're really hyping it up, and they should. I mean, this is one of those like. And he's going to break. Drew I mean, this Brees is bigger than too. this is bigger than Favre going back to Lambeau. I mean, this is bigger than yes. you know yes. that this is the biggest return to a stadium. And that game book just in, came in out NFL today too. History, right? So, uh, I mean, taking the Bucks, I don't think the Patriots are any good, uh, but I, I'm excited to see how that all happens. I was just gonna say this is the, probably like this is one of those games where like on paper it looks like a terrible football game, but I'm absolutely gonna watch. Like I'm excited yeah. for this football game. I want to see kind of like the emotions of this one. I'm curious about Bill Belichick. Um, especially because that the book that just came out, I was there's not Belichick better to will be have, feared look, or something like that. Belichick will show no emotion the whole game. He doesn't He'll care, be man. Face. He's they not interviewed he's, him he today. He does not care at all. He's like, I'm ready to talk about the football game. And if you're not going to talk about the football game, like I'm not talking about Tom yeah, Brady, yeah. like cool guy, but not going to talk about. So I, I man, it's, it'll be fun, but yeah, it's, it's pretty convincingly Tampa Bay. Right. Um, yeah. All right. Last one here that we get to, and that is, your money line, I asked. It anticipate. is. It is. It and is. that is Vegas got, and the Chargers on Monday Night Football. I got the Raiders. I, I got the Raiders. They're the, they're the underdog right now. Really? Um, they are. The Raiders are the underdog. 
Uh, I'm buying Derek Carr, man. I'm buying all the Derek Carr stock. I think he's he. Speaking of MVP candidates, Derek Carr right now. Right. That's the guy. That's one of the guys um, that's up there. He looks like a world beater. He's got that extra edge that I think a little bit more than Kirk does. Um, Darren Waller is unguardable. Um, and then they've got some receivers stepping up. Ruggs is turning into that that burner that once a game just gets behind a defense for a 50-yard play. Brian Edwards is stepping up. Hunter Renfro is your Wes Welker type um, slot guy, you know, kind of like a rich man's Jarius Wright stepping up there and getting, you know, moving the chains consistently. Uh, I like the Raiders. This is going to be a shootout, but I like the Raiders here. That's my pick. I like I like that Vegas is the underdog here because I was going to take the Chargers just because I honestly I just I like the Chargers. This is a toss up game for me. Um, and it's a situation where I would say you pick the team with the better quarterback or you pick the home team or you use one of those stupid different yeah, yeah. that we kind of use as a cop out. Um, but <laughs> Chargers home field advantage sucks. Um, Derek Carr and Justin Herbert, I mean, playing about to the same level right now. Uh, I would say Derek Carr, maybe even a little bit better uh but same level of talent i would say justin herbert of course has all the potential in the world and some yeah. great weapons and has his team in consideration to be you know um the top team in that in that afc west um and this game will go a long way to do- towards deciding that by the way this is a big one i like that you picked it because this game already mattered and now for this show's purposes it matters is that matters that much more i'm going to take the chargers uh drew is on the raiders with his money line pick his first money line pick um and that wraps up our uh, our picks for the week here um, which brings us into the last section of our show. As always, is there anything that we missed? Anything that we did not discuss? Whether it was to the rest of the entire NFL, the Vikings versus the Browns, anything, any other hoopla going on that we didn't uh, take a stab at? Um, I don't believe so. I, I, I just, as of now, knock on wood, the uh, Vikings are fairly healthy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I look like Dove and Cook. Uh, was limited today after the ankle thing. So that would uh, signify that looks like he'll play better than last week for sure. Right. Right. And Darisaw is back and practicing now. So I would imagine get him up to speed a little bit and then shouldn't be too long before he uh, takes over there at left tackle. That's, Um, that's what we'll round. That's what we'll finish with here. Who starts at left tackle? Is it going to be Hill or this week? Yeah. This week, right now, this week it's Hill. This week it's Hill. Despite the fact that he's banged up, you don't think there's any. You don't I think, think I think I, I don't think I don't think Zimmer. I mean, with his history with rookies, I don't think he'll want to throw him into the fire, especially against the Browns right yeah, away. Miles Garrett. <laughs> but uh, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, it's it's good good sign to see him fully practicing, though. I, I would imagine like next week against Detroit uh, would be a good spot, or perhaps after the bye week coming up. Either way, that's a good point. I didn't even realize we're playing Detroit. The Vikings are playing Detroit next week. It makes this game that much better you get to 500 i mean you might be over 500 next week like pretty confidently uh this yeah. is a big one guys uh, that'll be my final point here sorry hey my dog i'm i'm glad this is the end of the show because my dog is getting restless and not my dog my dad's dog so um <laughs> itunes stitcher google play spotify wherever else you listen to your podcasts uh you can find us on the climbing the pocket network of course uh daily norseman uh, you can drop us a line. And of course, if you prefer to watch this, um, you can watch us on YouTube. But thank you folks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Oh.